We're back. What up? Ah! I'm so excited to be back. Yeah. And for everyone else, we're not back. No, we've We've been been here. here. (laughs) But for us, oh, it's like... It's like the supernatural season finale. It's playing that one song. Carry on my wayward side. Mm, we're here. <laughs> uh, except it's not the season finale. This is not a finale. No, it's not. It's not. We're, there will be next episodes. I think a better analogy is that this is like the, um I don't know, mid-season premiere after the mid-season finale and then hiatus. Very true. So it's like... uh. I don't know. I don't know. Like, what's a what's a nor- what's a song that's I've been here. I'm still here. I'm sure there's one, but I can't think. I've of been one. here. I'm still here. What? That's that's the song. That sounded kind of like the Misfits theme. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Anyway. Um. But yes, for everyone else who's been listening to this, it's been an episode every single week. Mm-hmm. It's been consistent. Yeah. And and regular for us, we haven't recorded for how many months? Oh, four, four, maybe? Has it been four months? Holy shit, I thought it'd been two. Jesus. I don't know. It's You're been, probably right. I'm it's really been a while. It's, yeah, it's been a, it's been a long little while. It's been <laughs> multiple months Yeah. since we've recorded. Yeah, but you know what? That's all been time for us to meditate and focus up. And manifest. You know, yeah, we've really been, manifesting. Oh, been manifesting so much. Olivia's been manifesting so much. I've actually been trying to, not like outwardly, because I feel like it's really annoying when people do that. Yeah. But like inwardly, like I'll tell myself like, no, I am going to get that job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to get this or that. And it's worked pretty well. It was funny. I was listening to one of our um, earlier episodes where I was talking about having to message my boss. Yeah. Like, this is what happens when you have a day job. I don't have a day job anymore, guys. It's dead. It's dead. I day left job, that. It's dead. great. Um, and now I'm much happier. Yeah. I, my belief on manifestation that is new since we talked about manifestation last Mm -hmm. is that it's all just, you know, it's all about that, like, being, being okay with something happening. Mm. That we're so, I at least am so caught up with what's going to be bad about something happening that if I'm just like, you know what? No, this is going to be happening. I'm going to create this. There's any of those, you know, kind of kooky words that we want to put. It just makes me cooler. And when you are stepping into an opportunity, I think that coolness factor weighs in a lot. Interesting. It's actually related to some... God damn it. I had sparkling seltzer and now I'm burping. You better believe it. We're the oh, same we're as we back. ever was. We're really back. Um, that reminds me, though, about, um, like, you know, being okay with something, being too caught up in, in the bad things that could happen. Um, uh, my therapist, because I have started therapy, and now we're both in therapy because we're really adults, humans. I was in therapy. I'm in two therapy. That's I'm times two. <laughs> That's how adult he is. I'm times two. He's beyond even me. I'm doing six therapy sessions a month. Holy shit, that's a lot. It's a lot. Nice job. Good yeah, for you. Thanks. I am not at that point yet. Thanks. Uh, maybe someday. You'll get there. I hope so. You'll learn it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my therapist told me the other day because um, I was I was so I was um, thinking about the future and talking about like, well, how do I make sure that I'm not making these same mistakes over and over? Like, how do I how do I keep myself from just uh, doing these things that I don't like all the time? Like, how do I make sure I'm not stuck in this rut forever? Mm-hmm. Um, and she said. Well, it sounds like you're thinking too much about the future. We only have right now. 
what if you spent that same amount of time focusing on how you feel right now? And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) My perpetually anxious brain was like blown. Uh huh. Because I feel like when you have anxiety, all you do is think about what could happen. Yeah, constantly. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No. I, I. It's. It's the same as I was just having car trouble, mm-hmm. and oh, you and me both, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you. We don't have time for yours. No. No. Yours, we're not talking about yours. Mine. Is a whole maybe another time. Thing. Uh, but I mean, for two days, that's basically all I could think about. I couldn't really process just because that one stressful thing kind of. Uh, consume my entire mm-hmm. life even though I couldn't really take action on it for a couple of days like I needed I needed further information and I needed things so like uh rather than being able to focus on those here and now it was like my anxiety was just flaring up of this is the most important thing it doesn't matter what you can do about it which is probably not good for us no de- <laughs> it definitely was yeah, not it's probably just probably not good for us no but that's why we're in therapy or multiple mm-hmm. therapies. Um, <laughs> anyway, this the whole point of this was to say, we're back. We're better than ever. We're in multiple therapies. We're adults who don't have jobs that we hate. Okay. Well, no, 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 no. I don't. I don't. No? I don't have a job I hate right now. Good. See? Yeah. There we go. That's... I really don't. And that's pretty... That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, all, we're back and better than ever, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, this is Jump Scare the Podcast. On this podcast, we pitch and develop an original horror concept every week. <laughs> Complete with amazing sound effects by Casey Dunn. Speaking of, I'm Olivia Cordell. And I'm Casey Dunn. <laughs> I know you. we've watched some films. Um, did you have anything you wanted to talk about? Uh, so we had talked about that I watched The Perfection. I don't highly recommend it. I don't think it was very good. I think that the script itself was super lazy. Uh, the scares kind of sucked. And some of the premise was interesting. However, the execution was awful. And I think the messaging behind it was really terrible. Okay. I, so I don't have really anything positive to say about wow, it. Yeah, that's a pretty scathing review for just generally not recommending a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I just thought, I just, yeah, I, I really don't care to talk about it more than that. Other than... I do wonder if films nowadays need to start having having some form of like trigger warning before a film. That's going to be relevant whether, for mine today. Whether actually. it's a, yeah, what, it's okay, cool. Yeah, that's good. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, just because watching it towards the end, I was like, you know what? I wish at least I had known that this was the subject matter it was discussing. What was the subject matter? Uh, it was discussing pedophilia, rape, and oh, wow. in, in intense ways. Not wow. it wasn't showcasing anything, but that's what it was talking about. Wow, um, that is intense. That's something that is difficult for a lot of people and can be very triggering for a lot of people. Yeah, it, I think there. I mean, on the one hand, when you're getting into the horror genre, you know there will be jump scares. You know there will be things that are uncomfortable, disturbing, etc. However, I do think there are certain things, and they're not, I think, typical horror genre um, archetypes that will affect people and should be, you know, uh, there should be a warning for, I think. Yeah, that Um, that was my personal opinion, too. I don't think it has anything to do with censoring or something. mm -hmm. I think it's about setting your expectations right for mm -hmm. your audience. Yeah. 
And I think that none of the Netflix branding does that. No, I had no idea that's what it was about. No, yep. no idea. Not at all. And then you're not expecting the brutal images that you're going to get later oh, in the film and stuff. So mm-hmm. like it it just really on that front was very frustrating for yeah, me. Yeah. I like what you said about about setting your expectations for your audience because if you know your audience well enough, you'll be able able to warn them about things that might not be there or you don't have to warn them because they're already expecting it. The other thing about horror is that and it sounds weird, but horror is an escapist genre. Mm-hmm. Horror is a uh, something that people watch to escape their their real life. It's a, a way to find catharsis in your own anxiety and stress, um, and it's something that is harmless in a movie. Yeah. Um, and so when it hits too close to home, when it deals with things that can be actual traumas and triggers for people, then it is not doing what it's supposed to do. Yep. Okay, I actually have one more Yay. small thing on this one, which is... Netflix, you need to figure out your LGBTQ plus rating system because this film was marketed as LGBTQ and dude, it wasn't. It was just lesbian glorifying and sexualizing. No, I'm angry. Yeah, I'm angry. I know. I know. And it was, dude, it was written by a white dude. So like, come on, guys, this isn't an LGBTQ plus project. It's not. And it's not representation. It's exploitation. And so snaps. we <laughs> so many snaps. I thank you. Uh, <laughs> we just Netflix I, either do your due diligence or there's there's just some part of that process missing. I also, you know, it, it's tough. It's a tough one mm-hmm. getting into the category categorizing and whether we should or not because yeah. it is equally important and is also it sometimes feels like a disservice mm-hmm. to the community at large. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm I'm glad to hear that about that. I wasn't planning on watching it, but now I definitely don't want to watch it because that sounds like a lot of things I would not appreciate. Yeah. Um so thank you for sharing your uh your reaction to it cuz that's useful. Um I have something that I've wanted to share with you for quite some time. I know you keep jibber jabbering about it and I'm, I'm excited. It's I'm I I've thought a lot about how I can tell you this story without um giving it away or without ruining it because I freaked out when I heard it, and I've heard it. I heard it a few weeks ago, so this is this is going back. What I want to do is um, go all the way back to episode two, which is called Nearsighted. If you haven't listened to the episode, it's an episode wherein I pitch a film about an older woman who is losing her eyesight and is seeing a uh, dark shape only when she doesn't wear her glasses approaching her, and when she puts on her glasses, it disappears. And, of course, the dark shape, the dark figure, it ends up becoming a symbol for her own mortality, um, her own impending death as she ages. In that episode, I talk about how I pitched that in class to uh, a professor named Deborah. 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 Who was a hard ass. She was a good teacher, but she was a hard ass. And shot it down every time. Didn't like it. Didn't think it it would ever sell. Didn't think it would do well. Didn't think it was realistic. Thought it was missing something. Uh And I eventually dropped the class because of it. And originally when I pitched it, it was about a, a woman who had a macular degeneration or some form of cancer or whatever in her eyes. And that's what happened. That's how she was losing her eyesight. And so it's it changed a little bit from then to now. But uh, I dropped the class. And this class I took in probably 2014. Fast forward to a couple weeks ago. Um, and so Casey and I have been working together on producing a project. And I have been meeting with filmmakers who have made projects that I respect or I admire to get some information from them about it, some best practices, um, some tips so that we can be as prepared as possible going into it. So yeah. I met with a producer-director 
who uh, produced and directed a film that I worked on recently. And they were both graduates of the USC Film School from the same year as us. Because if you didn't know this, Casey and I both attended the uh, the University of Southern California um, or our University of Scandals. Yeah. Also. Uh, fight on if you can afford it. Hey. Yeah. Poof. <laughs> um, <laughs> So they had also gone to school. Um, I told them about my podcast and they were like, oh, okay, we'll go listen to it. Awesome. Later, the producer reaches out to me again and says, I listened to your podcast and I think I had your professor. Um, I think I had the professor, Deborah. I think we both did him and the the director. We had that class together. She was a hard ass. She made us pitch things over and over. Um, He took it in his senior year. So this would be like 2016 Mm -hmm. because they're our age. And he's like, I listened to your pitch. And when you started talking about her, I got chills because the most memorable part about Deborah's class was that she stopped coming to class halfway through the semester because she got eye cancer <gasps> and died. What? Deborah, the professor who shot down my pitch about the woman who had an eye condition that made her lose her eyesight and it was dying two years later, developed eye cancer, and died from it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Deborah. Yeah. Every joke we made. I feel badly about them, but also I am terrified. Holy shit. Right? I don't, I don't know how to even react to that. I know. Because... I know. It's simultaneously really, really sad. Yes, yes. And weird. Really weird. Really weird. Wow. Yeah. See, do you understand why I didn't know how to tell it correctly? Because I didn't want to give it away. That's not where I I was like, she probably listened to it. She couldn't. Uh, She's dead. And again, feel very badly about it. She was older. So she had lived uh-huh. a long and successful life. It's always very sad when someone passes, yeah. um, especially yeah. unexpectedly. Yeah. And she was very good at her job. She was a good teacher. Mm-hmm. She taught me a lot about how the industry was going to be long before I was in it. Yeah. Um, but it is... That's so strange. It's strange. I mean, what a, what a coincidence, man. Yeah. That's unreal. Very kind of scary because I feel like I... I feel like I caused it somehow. Wow. And you it, didn't do any seances or rituals no, immediately after no, you pitched, right? No, in the but class? two years later. That's unbelievable. It's, it's incredible. I mean, no, she didn't remember your pitch, but like, no. what if she did? I know. And then <laughs> that's so horrible. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was what I've been dying to tell you. Wow. For about two weeks. For two weeks, you wait. Wow. But that's crazy. I wanted to tell you and share it with everyone else because now I feel like that, like nearsighted, needs to be dedicated to Deborah oh, and her yeah. memory. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, I wouldn't have pitched it and developed it on, on this podcast if it weren't for her. I wouldn't even have come up with the concept if she hadn't demanded that we come to class with a pitch. Uh, while we were in patch, while we were in class, that we had a pitch, but um, <laughs> that's so insane. I know it's insane. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Well, if you're not dumb, if you're not too dumbfounded, then uh, 
We'll continue, but I mean, I've got to go listen back through that with new new. I know goggles. That's crazy. I know it's crazy. Yeah. Um. I mean, so it sucks. It sucks to die. Yeah. And yeah, my heart goes out to her family. Yeah. Um, and anyone she was close to. Man. It's also a, a strange thing when someone that you barely know passes. Yeah. And what do you do with that? I no, I don't know. I don't know what yeah. to do with that. Like. I don't know, yeah. but this is weird because we just talked about her. Exactly. It feels so relevant, so recent. Yeah. Of course, she passed several years ago. Yeah. But I didn't know about it um, until then. Anyway, that's the big news. Holy crap. That's way it's bigger than I could have even imagined. It's mind-boggling. It's wow. insane. Um, While we process, I'm going to use the restroom. <laughs> okay, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll come in. back and uh, get into the pitch. And we're back. Yeah, we are. Okay, so now we're going to move on from all of that and jump into this week's pitch. And I believe it is mine. It is. Yes. Um, So I have been (laughs) hyping this up maybe too much to you over the last couple weeks because I've been like, I'm so excited to pitch this idea. And now I'm really worried that it's either not fleshed out enough or too contrived or not quite there enough, whatever. We'll get through it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was originally inspired by... At the time, the relatively unknown Billie Eilish song, Bury a Friend, that now everyone knows. Yeah. When I first listened to it, it was like brand new. And I was like, ah, oh, this is great. You know, the, the Portland hipster in me needs you to know that I liked it before it was cool. Mm-hmm. But now everyone has heard it. Yeah, we all know. Um, but for the like four whole people who haven't heard the song yet, um, I'm going to play just the very beginning of it. Because um, I think it helps set the tone a little bit for... What, how, you know, the mood that I was in. So I'm going to play the beginning of it. Billy. And then we'll cut it in. In some way. Um, so a lot of those lyrics really speak to me. There's a couple lines later in the song. Uh, a step on the glass, staple your tongue. I want to end me. It's repeated a bunch of times. And because of that, I do want to give a bit of a content warning for the rest of the pitch because that's what a lot of the pitch is based on, um, are the lyrics of the song, uh, which have a lot to do with self-harm and suicide. If those are things that you find triggering, um, then I would recommend maybe skipping the rest of this episode because that's what this is going to deal pretty heavily in. We're going to have plenty more episodes full of other concepts and ideas. So yeah, there will be more content for you soon. Yep. But maybe not this one. Mm-hmm. Just a heads up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's always cool to know your own boundaries. Exactly. That's Yes, it is. So that being said, um, I'd love to move into setting the stage. For the first act. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Gonna jump right into it. So we open on a kitchen, and it is a perfectly pristine 1950s kitchen. In the kitchen is a woman in a 1950s house dress in her apron cooking dinner, because this is a period piece. (laughs) Period piece. But it's also a horror movie, so it's not quite your perfect sunshiny, golly gee, dad, uh, 1950s set. It's a little grungy. It's a little dark. It's a little shadowy, and it's a little smaller than it should be. 
Mm-hmm. It's not a beautiful big house. It's probably an apartment. And as we pull in, we hear her humming softly as she's cutting vegetables. Something's boiling on the stove. Maybe the radio is going. Um, and this is our protagonist, Evelyn or Eve for short. And we pull up over her shoulder and look down at what she's cutting and realize she's not cu- cutting vegetables. She has the knife in one hand and she's driving the point very purposefully into her finger and watching it as it bleeds. No reaction, just watching it. And we hold there for a a little too long. And then the door opens and her husband comes home and she puts the knife down and wipes off her finger and goes and greets her husband. She makes him dinner. They talk about his day. She's obviously a very doting and loving wife. And they go to bed. And for... The solid portion of the middle of the first act, we watch her as she goes about her everyday activities. She is a perfect housewife, a perfect homemaker. She gets up in the morning. She makes her husband breakfast. She sends him off to work. She does the laundry. She cleans the apartment. She goes to the grocery store. She makes him dinner. He comes home. She kisses him. They sit down at dinner. They talk about his day. And maybe they hint at the fact that they want to have children someday, but they don't have any yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see that she has a very regimented schedule, a very seemingly perfect life, and also something is wrong with her. She maybe is dusting and freezes and stands so still for a second that a cockroach runs over her foot and she doesn't even notice. She's obviously extremely depressed and trapped where she is. At the end of this day where we followed her through her life, at the end of this first act, which is short, it's probably 10 pages as a first act should be, she tells her husband that she's going to take a bath as he's getting ready for bed. And she draws herself a bath. She gets into the bath and you see her pick up the knife, the kitchen knife from the beginning, and Mm -hmm. she slices her wrists open. And as the blood pools, as her arm falls over the edge of the bathtub and the blood starts pulling on the ground, you see we cut to black, her eyes open, and it's the next day. And you're left wondering, did that happen? Was it a dream? Was it a fantasy? Uh-huh. And she gets up and she does the whole day over again. It's the next day. It's not a Groundhog Day situation. Yeah. But she gets up and she makes her husband breakfast and she cleans the house and she goes to the grocery store and she gets her things and she comes back home and cooks dinner and takes care of her husband. And this is how the first act ends. This is what's been set up is her daily routine, her life, and the fact that she is so trapped in it and so unhappy with her own life that she is trying to escape it in any in the only way she can because for her in this time period in this situation her role is and always has been to be the housewife and the homemaker there is no other option she has not been led to believe that there is any other option and and truly she thinks that this is all that life has for her you can't escape the patriarchy No, you can't escape the gender roles that have been set for you, especially in this time and place. So she's trapped. And through the course of the second act, I'm not sure how this happens. This is what I'm going to need your help for, because I have the first act pretty well established and then a bit near the climax. But That's kind of it. Throughout the second act, we see her maybe try. We don't see her try. We see her her fantasy, her dream, her inaction, her illusion of trying to escape her life by some form of of suicide or self-harm. And every time she seems not to feel it, it's like it doesn't exist. It's like a body horror um, Mm -hmm. for sure. And every time she wakes up the next morning and goes on with her life until something shifts and she starts to to displace her feelings of entrapment onto her husband. And eventually you realize 
you're not watching the protagonist, you're watching the antagonist. Mm-hmm. As she starts to very subtly plot how she is going to kill her husband. And I'm going to need your help figuring out where the scares are in there. I can see the scene where he is shaving in the bathroom and he opens the medicine cabinet and it swings and does the medicine cabinet thing and she's there with the kitchen knife in the background and it swings back shut and she's not there anymore and that kind of thing. You see her sneaking up on him with the knife and every time she's about to do it, she doesn't quite. Mm-hmm. And she continues with her day. But each time gets a little bit closer or she's setting little traps for him or you think maybe she's put something in his food but he doesn't die um, until finally... Finally, and this is around the climax time. So there's there's a lot of buildup in here that I would love your help to to flesh out. Um, finally, near the climax, she finally acts on it, and you see her with the knife. And this would probably be the time with the 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 medicine cabinet mirror trick. You see her behind him. He closes it. She's not there. Um, you see her shadow getting closer, and then finally, he turns around as she raises the knife, and then it cuts to the the bathroom wall and blood splatter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh God, what's happened? Cuts to black. Then, like always, as been established over and over, her eyes open. But this time, as we pull out, we realize half of her face is gone. And under is flesh and bones and stuff, but also circuits and wiring and electricity. And as we pull out, we realize she's plugged in and someone's working behind her. And it's her husband with his arm bandaged up and in a sling, reprogramming her for the millionth time because this is a period piece set in the future. <laughs> oh, man. It's retro-futuristic. 1950s. AI. That's why every time she tries to kill herself, she just comes back. And every time she tries to hurt him, she can't quite do it. Oh, damn it. And so she is so trapped in this loop because she literally cannot die. Oh, shit. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) I like that a lot. So the lines from the song that keep coming back are, what do you want from me? Why do you, why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? What do you know? Why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me? When we all fall asleep, where do we go? She doesn't sleep. Aside from her eyes opening each time, we never see her sleep. Mm-hmm. We never see her eat, probably. And she yeah. wonders over... And there has to be the question in there of why isn't her husband scared of her? Because she starts actively trying to kill him. Yeah. And he has to be a complete idiot not to notice it. And she's got to even wonder to a certain extent, why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me like I'm your wife? When she's trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. And it's because he owns her, quite literally. Yeah. So, that's the climax. The things I'm struggling with here are the middle, the 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 build-up. I want there to be uh, an atmospheric build-up while still concealing the plot twist. Because I don't want that to be guessable mm-hmm. earlier on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want anyone to have any idea of that. Right. And then, but I also want there, I want to somehow really elegantly handle the shift from trying to kill herself to trying to kill her husband. Because at some point she has to realize that killing herself isn't working for some reason. And so she makes that shift. But I don't know how to quite navigate that. I want to figure out where the scares are in there. I want to 
kind of flesh out the world because I have some questions for you about the world and see what you think about it. And then the ending is something that I don't know. I, I don't know. There, there are so many ways to go with this. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do something contrived. I don't want to like I robot this shit, but I do want. Right. I, I, I want her to find freedom of some sort. Oh, okay. But I don't know what that looks like because for her, freedom has looked like death or murder. I don't know what else, what other kind of freedom that, that, that she could find, but I want there to be freedom for her. So that's Eve. Okay. Immediately what jumps to mind is something for the ending, which is maybe she starts plotting an escape. And it, you don't see the escape. You just see the beginning ma- ma- machination, machinations, machinations, <laughs> malinations, melanoma. Melanoma. That's what it is. That's the word. One of those. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where, where would you like to start? Um, do you think she feels the pain? I don't know. That's a great question. What do you think would be more interesting? I think maybe at times, like yeah. he's programming her and he's trying different programs to stop this mm-hmm. end mm-hmm. output. Yeah. And so maybe he turns on the pain senses mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah. which could like, if she early on doesn't, isn't showing as much feeling of that pain yeah. and stuff, all of a sudden if she goes to hurt herself and it's really painful yeah. and she still has to like drag herself to do it, yeah. that could be an upping of those stakes. Interesting. That is interesting. And that could also then be an interesting reason why she might shift from hurting herself to hurting someone else mm-hmm. because before there were no consequences for herself um, yeah even pain consequences and it's still and it's one of those where the audience isn't going to guess why that is mm-hmm. like they're not going to be like because I, I don't think I, I shouldn't act in the way where it's like just obvious that suddenly she's feeling pain mm-hmm. it should just feel like part like like this is just really excruciating okay i think so she is trying to yeah. and then maybe she like she hears him call to her or something and like there's just the look where it's like oh shit she's thinking here yeah it's time yeah and it could be that he does something really annoying constantly or he's like always asking like where's my paper or something and she just like and it's like it's happened for the fourth or fifth time in the film and you just see the like hatred in her eyes yeah like like maybe the first time because she's so good at hiding it yeah honey have you seen my tobacco pipe (laughs) because then also he's like smoking around her all the time Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I don't want it to be Westworld, but she doesn't remember. Yeah, she doesn't remember. She tried to kill herself. Yeah, no, she remembers yeah. everything. And she doesn't understand why it's not working, but she isn't actively trying to figure it out either. This is just kind of a state of her existence. This is the only thing she's ever known. Yep. And so, yeah, she can try to hurt herself, but she'll wake up the next day and be completely healed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is just what it's like. Even though we never see her sleep, except for when she wakes up. Yep, Totally. Yeah. So I I had some questions for you about the world, what you might think is more interesting, because there are so many. <sighs> this is a sci-fi, mm-hmm. sci-fi horror, also a period piece somehow. It's a lot of things. It's a it's an amalgamation. And sci-fi is not something I dabble in very often because there's it requires so much world building. Yeah. Um, it's not something I'm very good at. So there's so many ways you could go with it. And a lot of ideas I had uh, are that in this world like because she'll go out to like the grocery store and it's the only place we see her out in the world that or hanging up her laundry outside or something that's, that's kind of the only place it's only time to see her out in the world in those instances should there be hints that this is not the 1950s should there be hints that this is the future should it just actually look like the 1950s are there other people who are ais or robots are there robots in general i to me the first thing that jumps out is like zones 
Mm-hmm. Like you can live in different zones. Interesting. And maybe those decide your wealth and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, That's the other thing. I like don't we, want her husband to, or her husband or their situation to be very wealthy. Yeah. It's kind of like he doesn't have a lot of money, maybe because he spent all of his money on purchasing her. Yeah, and upkeeping this lifestyle or he enjoys. He, and it's either, he either built her or, or bought her, but I kind of like the idea that he bought her, that this is a world in which you can own another being. Yeah. Like a product. I think I think so. Yeah. So the things that make sense to me, mm-hmm. uh, let me know if I'm mishearing you, misinterpreting, is like uh, he's almost trying to fulfill this fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he lives like there are different zones. Mm-hmm. Um and so he is maybe lower middle class, mm-hmm. but he has spent all of his money upholding a lifestyle mm-hmm. or an image of a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So like this world is kind of founded on this idea of nostalgia yeah. that everyone is playing out a part within a certain nostalgic yeah. time frame. Yeah, yeah. I like and that. One of the most classic is the 50s. So if everyone yeah. there is playing out these parts of the 50s and some of them are robots and some of them aren't. There's no um, way to know. Like, yeah. no, there's no way to know who's a robot and who isn't in that situation, which is not a bad thing. No. I mean, one way that maybe they know is that humans forget names. And um, so all the robots know each other na- each other's names. They, not, all the robots know everybody's names. Yeah, they're like, hey, Mary. Oh, hey, Tim. Yeah. That's an interesting... I never thought about that. That's really interesting. I love that. Yeah. Because um, it's true. I forget people's names all the fucking time. Yeah. Um, and it's so subtle. I think another thing that could be interesting about that is what you said about people living out this fantasy of nostalgia is that maybe there are things that are the slightest bit anachronistic, like in the grocery store, there's some product that wasn't invented until the 1970s, but it's something that only a really discerning eye could tell. It's one of those things that like as a production team, we would make the choice to do, but someone watching them like, they made a mistake. Those didn't come out until the 1970s. Same with like certain types of branding. Like, Like the Kellogg's brand is different. Yeah, it's like, that's not the right time period. And then you watch it later and you're like, holy shit. That's my biggest non-negotiable is that I want this to be rewatchable. This has got to be the kind of thing that you watch the first time and you're like, holy shit, I got to rewatch this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. But I also want it to be hard to watch. Um, another question for you. I don't want her to forget all the times that she's been woken up again. Does she remember this last time when she wakes up and he's reprogramming her does she know that she's an ai what do you think because i i actually have no no answer to that so i think we're at sort of a a divvying uh like we're at we're at basically different roads Mm -hmm. and we gotta have to choose which one we want to go down do we want to go down big brother or do we want to go down uh season three of what's the show you're watching right now Handmaid's Tale? Handmaid's Tale. Wait, okay, what? Do we want a heroic (laughs) ending or do we want her to fall within society? Oh, like. Do we want the dystopian world to win? I see. Basically. I see. That is a good. Now now that I understand what you mean, that's a good analogy. Do we want 1984 or do we want season three of The Handmaid's Tale by Hulu? Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Part of me wants to be like, I want neither, but I don't know if that's possible in this situation it i don't think it is yeah. because either way is making a choice yeah and and there's just not a really a way to not make a choice yeah at the end of this because if she's being reprogrammed and that's the last shot you see then you say okay he won 
I don't want that to be the end of the movie, though. I want there to be more after that. I just don't know. Oh, I don't know how I could fit this in, but I had this, like, sudden image in my head that I was like, oh, shit, that'd be interesting. Obviously, she's a robot. Obviously, there are other robots. Maybe she sees neighbors or people around, you know, like you're saying, hi, Mary, hi, so-and-so, as she's doing this. There are other characters in the world. They're not big, but they they exist. Maybe, and this is something that I've been toying with as part of her escape is her destroying like remember like if she if she remembers being reprogrammed if she remembers waking up in his like whatever his workroom or whatever his study and it's actually you know where she's being made um and controlled if she remembers that then the logical thing is that she would return to it and destroy it or come alive in that moment that he's reprogramming her and destroy it in some way so I have this image in my head and I don't know how we'd get there and I don't know how it happened of her, of this destruction starting a fire in the building, because they live in an apartment building, and literally burning it down. Like, it's, it's, and the last thing you see is her walking away from the flames, walking away from the rubble on the, like, out, having made it out, half melted, half burned because she's, a, but she's a robot, so she's still, she's still walking, she's fine, walking away from it. And then behind her, you see others emerging the same way because and then that's when you realize that there are many of them in this world who you thought were human before, but actually weren't. So how about this? OK, okay I, okay. I think I got something. Okay. here. So if we go along the path that he smokes the whole time, he's got a yeah. pipe yeah. and he really enjoys it. Yeah. What if early like early before she does the stabbing at him she try she's like we we've got the idea that maybe she's poisoning him yeah. and there is a moment of her looking at his pipe with like some sort of poison around or something that she could put into it that she could put into it yeah. and either she is able to or she in some way gets him to do it to himself yeah so he mm. poisons himself and then he like so he so he's like sitting there reprogramming her and he's smoking it and then he starts to die or whatever causes like in some way causes the fire uh-huh. from from that happening uh-huh. and then she is trying to resist saving him because that is her primary function is yeah. now she has to save him yeah and she basically like is trying to resist saving him and in the end you're seeing this whole place burned down and you see her walk out carrying him but he's like burned, like he's like dead, yeah. but completely burned. But he, she still had to obey that programming Ugh. of taking him outside as like all of these other people start to come out too. That would be interesting. I, I, I want to figure out how we can tell that story visually of her having to having to save him. Like, is it like he has computer screens behind him in the study where he's and there's and he like as he's dying, he activates some like. Uh, programming in her or something like that that we can storytell that visually i think it's our so it's already been kind of so we've hinted at it from the stab yeah and then what it could be is that she's sitting there watching him and all of a sudden her hand starts to reach for him and she's like trying to stop herself and like i think just visually you can kind of create this through camera movement yeah. and like a and this like uh, just creating that struggle of her reaching out. And, He's got to like, be saying, like, Eve, save me or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, you have to save me. Yeah, maybe, like maybe he says, like, emer- emergency functions yeah. 326. Yeah. Something, like, I don't something, know. Something, something. Um, and, yeah, maybe he does reach for, for something. And, and I think, but the whole time, her body is, like, like, her head can kind of be trying to 
show like that she's trying to prevent herself, mm-hmm. but her actual body can be moving towards him. I think I think that could work. Um, I also like when you brought up the smoking thing, I like the idea that early on when she's still in this kind of self-harm phase, she has his lighter and is like holding it under her hand or whatever for way too long. And it shows mm-hmm. the way that like maybe something her skin does that isn't quite right, uh, but you don't notice it in the beginning kind of a thing. Like it, it's more melty than it should be or something like the way that it reacts. It doesn't have to be, but she should be. I like the idea of her playing with the fire at one point because then it creates a parallel when the whole place is on fire. Like then everything is burning down. I could also see the fire starting because he's smoking the pipe. He drops the pipe. The embers fall onto papers or something and it, it lights something. It catches. Um, and so it's not only him dying of whatever poison thing happened, but also the flames catching in the room. Yep. Totally. Also, maybe maybe when she does lie to him about the uh, the pipe, I don't know. I was thinking, like, does she immediately kill herself so that she can't take it back? Like, the lie? Oh, interesting. That's an interesting idea. I don't... I want to f- f- talk more about this, this, this lie, this pipe thing, because... This pipe dream. <laughs> <laughs> you. Sorry. Because I am really intrigued by it. I want to see a way where... Kind of like in Heather's when um, when JD wants to kill Heather Chandler and Veronica doesn't want to and she's and she accidentally takes the poison cup upstairs and JD realizes she took the wrong one and for a second he considers telling her but then he doesn't and then because of that Heather Chandler dies and it's not a lie but it is a lie by omission. And in that, and I, I fucking love that movie. And I love, I love Christian Slater's performance of it. Cause in that moment when he does that, you don't see him thinking, oh no, it's fine. I want her dead. I want her to die. It's more him just being like, I want to see what happens kind mm-hmm. of a thing. It's not like a, he knows that harm will come to Heather Chandler. It's just like a, you know, never mind. Yeah. We'll see what happens. And I like that it's almost an accident except for that moment. And Veronica still thinks it's an accident. But, uh, so in that way, I would love to, see Eve poison her husband who I haven't named I don't know John yeah it can't why be not? Adam because it can't be Adam and Eve it can't no 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 but that would be so so bad here's a frying pan here's your head <laughs> beat him over the head mm-hmm. uh, no John I would love to see Eve allow her husband to die in that way yeah in a way that isn't overtly causing him harm yep but still causes his death um, but I also would love for it to happen in such a way that you don't even realize it until he's dying. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's where it's like within the within the structuring of it, we got to have that moment and then make the audience forget about it. Exactly. Because then she goes for the stabbing. Exactly. And it's it's got to be something like, I wish I, this is the part of the writing process where you have to do research. And we can't do that on a podcast yet. We can go away and research and come back. But Mm -hmm. it's the kind of thing where I would like to know what someone can breathe in that would kill them. Probably plenty of things. But like maybe she's packing his pipe for him because he always smokes before bed while he reads or whatever. And she does that. And you see her reach for the knife that she's going to use to kill him. 
and maybe out of focus behind her hand as she reaches for the knife, you see rat poison or something. Asbestos? Asbestos. Just something. Well, asbestos is also... It's glass, isn't it? Isn't it? It's what we put in the ceilings back in the 50s. Yeah, it's stuff that caused... So I just thought time period-wise, it's appropriate. That's also appropriate. Um, But something like that. Is it? Would it cut up his throat? I thought that it was made of tiny shards of glass, but maybe I'm wrong. I thought it just caused cancer somehow. It causes mesothelioma, which is, I think, a type of cancer huh. in the lungs, I think. So it's a long enough name to be. Yeah, I know. I remember all of the PSAs about it on late night television. I'm like, <laughs> okay. If you suffer from mesothelioma, call uh-huh. this number. You might be entitled to a lawsuit, whatever. Um, anyway, but yeah, that kind of thing where... It's there, but she doesn't choose it. She chooses the knife instead. So you right. think that she's gone for the knife. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. So yeah, maybe if there is this this misdirect of pipes, then maybe when he's putting her back together at the end, he's like, dang it, where's my pipe? Mm-hmm. And it's the third time he said her or mm-hmm. whatever. And this time she lies. And she says like, and she says wherever her poisoned one is. Oh, Wait, this is after he's put her back together? This is while he's doing it, when oh, she okay. comes back, too. Oh, okay. And it's the reveal. Okay. And you're seeing him tinkering with her, and then he's like, dang it. Well, Eve, where's my pipe? <laughs> I like the idea that he asks about his pipe, but because of the way he's taken her apart, she can't speak. And so she can't stop him from smoking it. Oh, yeah, that's good. And so... It actually works out perfectly because maybe you see her try to say mm-hmm. something. That's good. And maybe yeah. as he's smoking it, he goes, what are you trying to say? And he like puts her back together and she says something like, don't or stop or something like that, but it's too late mm-hmm. or something like that. Or she, She's already breathing it in. Yeah. yeah, he's already smoking it and she's already and it's already too late. And like you can tell that she's like maybe she's saying some pre-programmed response and it's like for the first time it's something like really robotic coming out of her mouth. Yeah. And I don't know what it would be, but something about an emergency but she's smiling while she says it and that's how you know that she's like finally won Um, that's good and i love the idea that the reason that this happens is his own fault yeah because he had disabled her speech functions or whatever so she wasn't able to stop him from harming himself yep that's great i love that yeah that's really good anyway that makes me very happy yes good did you have any thoughts for general jump scares earlier in the film if we don't have them it's fine we can always revisit it later yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there could be a really great moment of her drawing a knife along his body while he's sleeping. Ooh, that's good. And so you're getting into some like, I don't know, like along even his thigh or yeah. something and then like up to his stomach. Yeah. And then maybe it even like pricks him a little bit and all of a sudden she gets really scared and puts it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. Very atmospheric, very slow. That's what I, I really like about this one is that it is atmospheric and slow. A slow build, kind of that slow feeling of dread the entire time that something bad is happening. Yeah. Maybe she even pricks him and all of a sudden she gets really excited and she yeah. like goes and does like a little dance party in the bathroom. <laughs> like that's, that's like cute. that one moment of levity. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of cute. I like her not having emotion for the mo- not having genuine emotion for the most part until yeah. things like that happen or until he finally kills himself accidentally and she... Yeah. smiles and i mean this can just be such a just zero dialogue 
just yeah. the least amount of dialogue. Yeah, it's so atmospheric. I do. So, oh, sorry. sorry. No, you're good. I really do love a moment in the supermarket when somebody's like, "Hey, Jane," and she's like, "It's Eve. See you, Mark." <laughs> and like, that's a human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And those have got to be sprinkled throughout in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, even if it's just her husband at dinner being like, "Oh, I, I saw, um, I saw Jack today at work, and his, uh, he was talking about his wife. Oh, what's her name?" And she immediately knows. Um, it's like you mean Mary. Yeah, yeah, her, like that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Sprinkled throughout in such subtle little ways. I love that being uh, just a, a law of this world. Yep. That's how you can tell who's human and not. Yeah. Okay, so for final, so ending scene. Do you have any other thoughts for it? I like the idea of her carrying him out, but his body is a crisp at that point. Yeah. It's, maybe it's even on fire yeah, and still. like maybe some of her flesh is melted away oh, so yeah. she's part like she's really showing her mechanics underneath yeah. and stuff too and you can hear people screaming from inside the building and there's maybe firefighters running up and or maybe not there yet i don't know oh man there could be a great shot of her like basically doing that like hero pose of like holding the ingenue or whatever uh while she's like on her knees and she can be like like something that that she could do throughout is like move his hair out of his eyes or something mm-hmm. but it's he's freaking dead as hell yeah. and she's like breathing heavily but smiling and moving uh, the hair away from his eyes oh that's great i love that but i do like the idea of in the background as she's doing it you see other figures emerging yep. from the building who are maybe half on fire themselves yep. but not reacting and then you realize like oh there's a lot of them yep they're everywhere yeah yeah and I really like this world where it's sustaining it's sustaining an image. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is a heightening of our culture currently. Yeah. yeah. It's sustaining an image in every w- part of your life, mm-hmm. um, including your private life. And also it's, you know, the ownership of women. It's um, it's archetypical gender roles, but taken to an extreme, mm-hmm. taken to its horrific extreme, which is what horror does best. Yeah, I think that's. A solid ending that I really like. I just love the flaming people walking out of a building. Yeah, me too. I just love that. And the dead body just burned to a crisp. I mean, it's it's this is an R movie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is Absolutely. This ain't no PG-13. No, totally not. No, there's got to be some gruesomeness to this. Just to make, like, that will that will help justify the ending. Yeah, yeah. Is just how how slowly tortured this person has been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and how badly she wants to escape mm-hmm. and can't. Yeah. Literally can't. Yeah. The one option that is available to most people, which is suicide, isn't available to her. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I How yeah, do you feel? I feel really good about it. I, I've, like I said, I've wanted to pitch this for a while, so I was really excited to finally get the chance. Sweet. So thank you for <laughs> helping yeah. me work on it. Absolutely. I'm excited for any further exploration of it. It's a really cool topic. I'd love to come back to it someday. Cool. Alrighty. Well, uh, I'm Casey Dunn. And I'm Olivia Cordell. And if, I mean, at this point, everything's up there. So if you want to go to Instagram and follow us at uh, Jumpscare the Podcast. Or follow us on Twitter at Jumpscare the Pod. That would be super sick. You also need to go to any of your podcasting apps. Make sure you are subscribed, that you rate, review, that, you know, five stars, guys. All right. That's the kind of, that's the level we're at. So that's the level you need to say we're at. And if you are so inclined, if you feel particularly inspired by this episode or any other episode, feel free to DM us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email us at jumpscarethepodcast at gmail.com with your 
comments, with your additions, with your ideas, and we would love to hear them. We've actually had people reaching out with some ideas, um, and that just makes that makes us so happy. Because this conversation doesn't have to be just between us. It can be, be between us and all of you. Dang right. So get us get us your notes, you scripties. Yeah, seriously. Cool. Alrighty. And Olivia. Yeah, Casey? A burning dead guy. Ooh, scary. <laughs> but kind of good. <laughs> I said scary, but I was smiling. Yeah. 